0: Sooner or later, hopefully sooner, many of you will lose your vision. If you are searching for a monologue that will comfort your bruised ego or give balmy cosmetic peace of mind, then please seek elsewhere. This podcast is created to do the opposite to cast lightning and thunder into the darkness of yourself and the storm that is most likely raging within that you have so artfully ignored it's here to provide pure chaos greetings and mindful cheer and welcome to paradigms for proactive transformation paradigm here being defined as a journey's guide Our first pilgrimage is about letting go and will be comprised of several different challenging routes. This first leg of our journey is a most difficult and rocky pathway and and I see the trailhead now and the signpost reads, Impatience. The only gear you will need are pen and paper to make note of what you feel or observe within as we navigate the route. The final destination of all our journeys is to find your authentic self. So I invite you to find a quiet place, either in your current space or in a warmly receptive place in your mind, and come, walk this first challenging path with me. Let our journey begin. Hi there. My name is Portia Heller, and I will be your trail master for this first leg of our journey. So what is it that we need to let go? The response to that question is often a tangled mass of thoughts with no one best answer. The customary lists are numbing and overwhelming. Letting go is truly one of the greatest tasks we face because it's so easy to let go and then even easier to take it back. The plethora of lists of what to let go are all correct, neatly tied with plaid ribbon during the holidays and bedecked with holly. But what about letting go of the too often ignored, razor-sharp spikes and thorns that reside in the dark corners of our being, our self, and our amygdala? the area of the brain that is responsible for memory, decision-making, and emotional responses, which also include aggression. These are rarely mentioned. They may be silent, but when least wanted or needed, they erupt from their shadowy insignificance and explode into forms of monstrous, uncontrollable, highly destructive irritations, and all too often we cower in reactivity and go along with the assault. If I were to query an individual undergoing one of these fulgurations, I would receive a blank stare or a deepening frown because when one tries to define these invisible invaders, they vanish, retreat to their diseased hiding places and resume their former silence. But... These tiny spikes and thorns are what foment into full-blown strands of concertina wire and halt any forward movement of the soul and mind. And without movement, there is stagnation, bitterness, and cessation of growth. Just where do we begin? What is the first element we need to let go? How about impatience? I start with this because I have seen this morph into a ghoul, or to put it in a term found in the literature of several faiths, gin. This is not the high-proof clear alcohol known to martinis, but as stated in one description, a monster who cannibalizes live or dead flesh. It is a shape-shifter. Interestingly, jinn that's J-I-N-N, were created as believers, but somehow, their surroundings change them. Think about that last statement. When we become impatient, we shape-shift. As we change, our perception of our surroundings change to reflect those thoughts. We become one with the gin of impatience, who gnaws at our kindness and understanding, creating a rabid, angry being who lashes out at the innocent much more severe, we begin to inadvertently strike and cannibalize ourselves. We begin to rush, to gloss over feelings and details, lighting little fires that consume our compassion and empathy. We become imperialistic, chiding others for their slowness, their seeming inability for comprehension of what really matters. And pray tell... Just what is it that really matters? In the shadow of the gin of impatience, our agenda becomes of tantamount importance, and we go ever faster, maniacally bouncing from one thought to another, never staying in the present, the place that holds the key to all success and creativity. As Stephen Covey says, the problem is not out there. It's what is going on in our mind. It's our perceptions and expectations that our colleagues, the environment, our loved ones, and even our pets should be compliant and meekly accept these insane bursts of rage that are fueled by impatience. As will often be the case in our time together, let me tell you a little story A few weeks ago, I returned from a dinner party with neighbors. It was late, and I had to feed my two feline advisors, Wenceslas and Scaramouche. I hurried down the steps to the lower level, cleared both litter boxes, and prepared the two bowls. After giving Wenceslas his bowl, I moved to the hallway to serve Scaramouche under an antique high leg table. What happened next is still a mystery. Whether I caught my foot on the table, I slipped, or Scaramouche derailed me, but the next thing I knew, I was on the floor, with my right leg in a very compromising position. When I tried to stand, it would not support my weight, and the pain was excruciating. After lying on the cold tile for a very long time, I summoned the strength to pull myself up the stairs by my forearms and crawl to the bedroom and hoisted my body into bed. I had to call for help the next morning to find a walker left over from two previous knee replacements as I was unable to walk without support. The rest of the story is completely intertwined with holistic healing known as Rolfing. But as most stories has greater underlying significance My Rolfer, an incredibly talented and immensely intelligent woman, was able to see me a few days after the fall. We scheduled another session for the following week. The healing had begun, and the walker was replaced with a cane. But the upshot and great lesson from all this was elementary and extremely humbling. I had heard it from my husband, Bob, for years before he made his final transition. Matter of fact, when I was lying on that cold tile, to my dismay, I could hear him again. So when my second rolfing session ended, and I once again stood to see how my body had adjusted, my rolfer looked me dead in the eye and handed me a part of my anatomy on a silver platter. Her words were as follows. You want to teach self-awareness? You want to teach mindfulness? Then start practicing it. And here came Bob's mantra, slow down. You were not in the present moment when you fell. Your head was somewhere else. In simple words, I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. I had unconsciously allowed the gin of impatience to take over. There is no being in the present moment, only the grumbling of wanting to get the job done so I could get to bed. How many of you listening can quietly admit to yourself that you're guilty of the same thing, but brush it off as a nuisance? Does that not again scream impatience? For the next six weeks, I was forced to adhere to the maxim of staying in the present moment, If ever I have been aware of impatience, it was over those six weeks. Here I had been talking about mindfulness to my students, but had to admit that I was abysmally lacking in practicing what I was preaching. That realization heightened my self-awareness, and after a few hundred attempts, though some probably half-assed, I began to assess what I was doing in the moment— Again, the whole concept is headed by mindfulness. Rather than letting my head lope 40 miles ahead of where I am, I have to step back, either mentally or physically, and take a deep breath and stay in the moment. Rather than be irritated that something I am doing isn't going according to plan, I have had to step back, take deep breaths, and apply the salve of patience. You know, it's odd, but I have all the patience in the universe with my students, with the opinionated, with those lacking faith. But patience for me? Therein lies the rub, and it rubbed its way into my physical being, resulting in torn tissue along the fibula and a nasty twist in the lower back that was debilitating and extremely painful. Ever notice that old adage our parents used to say is still true? It went something like this. Why do you have to hear it from your teacher when we've been telling you this all along? Or in other words, why does it take a two-by-four to hit us in the head to get our attention? The lesson is extremely humbling and not an easy one to accept and even more challenging to learn and apply. But if you want to achieve your goals, your dreams, your sense of a great self you are, you will have to be patient. The gin of impatience will not eat your flesh, but can consume your soul, your attention, hijack your heart, and pollute your mind. Look at the gin patients as a toxicant in your river of progress. We seem to concentrate on the environmental toxicants, but this is one that is totally on us. And we let the runoff of the gin patients ruin so many deeply magnificent moments in our lives. We shall never again know those moments. They are gone forever. They become the past. But we have a new slate starting at midnight every day. And one of our first thoughts upon waking might be the affirmation, Today, I will be mindful of patience with every experience and every living and non-living entity. Here are a few guidelines from Jim Stone of Psychology Today. These are by no means easy, but They will help you when you feel the irritation rise as the gin of impatience begins its snarling. Impatience is not a lack of patience. It only bears its fangs under certain conditions. Impatience raises its gnarly countenance when we are trying to meet a goal and realize it's going to cost more than we thought to reach that goal. This cost is usually in the form of time or money. Now here's a big one. Stone states, impatience and indignation are a potent combination. I'm divining the term potent as a feeling or emotion that is very incendiary. That is, it will deeply cauterize and burn those who you love the most. We will feel impatient when there are more options rather than just one or two. Overall, impatience, as stated before, is gin and can cause not only damage to our relationships, but to our health, not to mention our work. Too many goal changes due to impatience can leave us with an empty outcome. Now, after all that, it can also benefit us. It can be an inspiration to find other ways to reach our goals or to recognize that maybe the goal isn't quite right and needs some tweaking or a complete change. Alan Locos, the author of Patience, the Art of Peaceful Living, writes, Patience is not an item, product, or object, a thing that we have in greater or lesser supply. We therefore cannot lose patience. Undoing this misperception is important if we are to see things as they really are, which is the ground of wisdom. Impatience is a feeling that arises when particular conditions come together in a specific moment. When we understand that feelings are arising and feelings are not reality, ah, we can relax a bit. We see that we don't have to react to every feeling as it arises. In fact, that would be an exhausting way to live. Remember, too, what Viktor Frankl said that we have a space between the event and the response. At first, this sounds ridiculous. How can we make a decision in a gigasecond between event and response? How about mentally stepping back, taking a breath, and becoming mindful of that space? We have the ability to choose how we respond. This isn't some airy, vapid idea. This is an action that will deeply affect our entire perception of life, our ability to learn and assimilate and evolve into the magnificent beings we are created to be. We always have a choice as to how we view any situation. Perhaps there are other avenues to our goal that have a lesser cost. Time and again, I listen to students talk about how difficult their lives are. They all have a goal, but get lost in the muck of procrastination, sacrificing what is important to things that are unimportant. And that is a breeding ground for impatience. They have deadlines for projects, but by allowing their time to be concentrated on everything but the present moment— They begin to skim over the needed details for an excellent outcome. They become frustrated and rush even faster, and the goal becomes fuzzy as the vision becomes more clouded by anger and lack of empathy and compassion for others, but even worse, for their self. They expect everyone and everything around them to conform to their unreasonable expectations, which fans the flames of impatience even higher. I'll stop here because I think you can see how this is manifesting. It's a perfect catch-22, an auger that digs in deeper with every flare of irritation. Ever hear the phrase, when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging? With the help of Marcia Reynolds, who's a D and also with Psychology Today, Here is a framework to help you begin to let go of the gin of impatience. Look upon this as a sort of assignment to interweave in your daily routine. What are you feeling? Yes, impatience does have feeling. But where is it? Is it in your back with stiffness, your hands balled up in fists, or your head frowning and the start of an award-winning headache? According to Daniel Goleman of Emotional Intelligence fame, when we become aware of what is transpiring in our bodies, we shift from the center of fight or flight, better known as the limbic system, to the front of the brain, known as the PFC or prefrontal cortex. That's the area that helps achieve goals, reasoning, and problem-solving. You will be taking an out-of-control emotion and reframing it into a form that allows you to better understand and gain power over it. You can't fix something if you don't know what it is that's broken. So what lights your fuse of impatience? Try monitoring your emotions and feelings for a week or two. Of course, when you consciously do this, you are forming the basis for self-awareness. Are you traveling the same rocky path all the time when you feel you are escalating into the mode of impatience? Stop and observe yourself. So you realize you don't like how impatience feels. Mm-hmm. How would you rather feel? What is an emotion you enjoy? Is it happiness, calmness, meditativeness, sadness, elation? Flip the switch to move the track to one of those more comfortable or better known emotions. Now take note, this isn't easy. But after a few attempts, just like learning a new instrument, you'll get the hang of how to play it. If you did a good job for a day, give yourself a rousing hurrah. We all too often seem to feel we can only congratulate others, but never even think about giving kudos to that little guy called the self. I like to warn, tell, announce to my classes where my state of mind and emotions are for the day. That way, if one of those previously mentioned spikes comes to the surface, I'm not the only one who will be aware of what is happening. And right there, that diffuses the impatience and often softens it into laughter. This is a sort of antidote to taking oneself too seriously. Well, my dear friends, though this is an infinite topic, I'll stop here. Consider this the gift of an assignment for the next few weeks. What you have heard here are the highlights of many great articles and books. I would like to leave you with one last thought that might help you ease into this routine. I am borrowing this from a TED talk by Yves Jouvel. It might help all of you understand why impatience is so rampant today. He refers to an old military term, an acronym called VUCA. According to Javel, we are living in a VUCA world, volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous. No wonder we want to be impatient. He continues that our brains are always changing, that they're given to neuroplasticity. So please don't tell yourself that you can't make changes in your habits. But you also must remember that most of us run on autopilot 47% of the time. We are not mindful, we are not self-aware 47% of the time. Imagine what incredible results we would have with our lives if we altered just 10% of that 47%. He ends his speech with what he calls a simple gift, and I would like to re-gift and extend it to you. This will help you ease into changing in patience to a completely new level. Here are the three elements from Yves Javel. First, take a deep breath. Now let it out. Did you feel that breath? How are you feeling in that exact moment? Next, take a second deep breath. Now release, and relax. Drop your shoulders, release your diaphragm, let your face relax. Last, take a third deep breath. Now release, and ask yourself, what is important right now. With that simple formula, I give you the self-awareness challenge, the challenge to overcome impatience, the challenge to step back and observe the magnificent being that you are, the challenge to breathe, to be mindful of the present moment and to accept that moment's gift we have just traveled the first leg on the pilgrimage of paradigms for proactive transformation. This first segment of our journey is all about letting go. And today we took the most difficult route of impatience. Infinite gratitude for traveling with me today. A journey is always more meaningful when shared with another. Until we meet again, Remember to never lose the child in you, believe in the sparkles of the tiniest dewdrops, and never lose all for the explosions of the greatest stars. Remember that the universe will only send back what you transmit. It doesn't know the difference between negative and positive. Now rest. I'll meet you at the next signpost. Many blessings. Go do great things and be careful out there.